0: Hi, and welcome to another episode of the Buy Your Side podcast, the property podcast to help you make smarter property buying decisions. My name is Michelle May, and I am the principal of Michelle Michelle May Buyers Agents here in Sydney. Let me pronounce that correctly. And today I want to talk about solutions about the property crisis that we have at the moment rental buying there is a real short supply uh, all across the nation and i am very fortunate to have ludwina dotovic here the ceo and founder of the room exchange ludwina welcome Hello. I'm so happy that we're speaking again, Michelle. It's been a while. I know. So we spoke, uh, we were just reminiscing. We spoke a while back, a few years actually, um, when I was doing Sydney Property Insider podcast and the room exchange was still very much in its begin stages, I don't want to say, because you've been hard at work for, at this for such a long time. But now we are in 2023 and I am so, so incredibly um pleased for you because you've won so many awards since then and you've gone from strength to strength uh, with the Room Exchange. But for those who don't know what the Room Exchange is and what it's all about, can you please run us through uh, this amazing, amazing concept? Thank you.
1: So we're in year six and we're having a laugh before overnight success. People yeah. It's like, oh my God, you've come at such a great time. And it's like, well, yeah, we've been working at it for a while. Um, yeah. I founded the company Originally, picture this. So, my eldest son was 22 at the time and he left home. And as you know, most mothers do when that happens at that stage in your life, I walked past his room and I had tears in my eyes. But a year later, the tears started to dry up. And I was seeing this very nicely dressed guest room that had barely been slept in, in a very different light. And I started to see it as a cost center. Mm -hmm. And this bedroom was costing me $200 a week, roughly. When you think about square meterage of your house and how much your mortgage mm. is, and, and you know potential ways that you can monetize that room, and I was thinking, yeah. I need to do something better and smarter with this room. And eight housemates later, roughly, the room exchange was born. And it, obviously, there was a lot that transpired in between that, but. You know, I had rented it to a number of different people over that time and I had a particular system and process that I would put in place to ensure that it was a successful and enjoyable um, experience for me and my husband and my adult daughter was still at home at the time. And we just had such an amazing time with all of these different people that came and spent different amounts of time with us. Some were three months. We had someone, the longest we've had is 18 months. And they really became part of our home, part of our network, extended family they come to Christmas events and you know one of them helped me with my 50th and one of them was there when when our dog passed away there's like all these really significant moments that occurred over that time it had such a positive impact on us and and it helped us around our house as well so there was a win-win there for everyone and then my friends started to say, this is a great idea. Where can I find someone? And being an entrepreneur for 29 years, when I hear something is a good idea three times, it's like these antennas start going out of my head. And it's just like, oh, curiosity is peaking here. And, yeah. and I thought, oh, I think there's a business model here. And I did some research and do do how do you say that word due diligence. Yeah, <laughs> and I realised it's like, look, it's not a completely new concept, but nobody has actually built technology around it. And I've been in tech since the analog day, so I understood technology. And I thought if I could build a solution around this that is tech driven, so digital when you want it, but then having some premium services around it, so people when you don't. So if anyone needs handholding, they can pay for that but if they're having to go and just completely use it from a digital format and you know access all the features on it themselves they can Mm. then we might have something there and very simplistic answer to your question and there's you know there was a capital raise that happened to kick it off there was a lot of no's I think 80 no's I got around that um and then I just went well you know stuff it I'll just hire a pub and put on my own pitch event and that's what I did and I raised uh, 600,000 in our seed round and have Wow. more since then and you know a lot of challenges along the way building technology to the magnitude that this is because it's not a website it's a platform and it's mm. a two-sided marketplace so we have two customers two messages and two headaches <laughs> and you know being the first to do something like this as well there's a lot of learnings in that that you're not aware of when you begin so we got to scale up and then COVID hit Mm. <laughs> you know and then uh then it was just everything a changed of, yeah everything changed but what we did through that time and I think this is really pertinent probably more for people who are listening It might be in business actually than anything else but you know often when these curveballs are thrown at you it's you we had a choice we could fold at that time and I don't think anyone really would have faulted us due to the circumstances around it because no one nobody was opening up the front doors or we could take the time to reflect mm. and pivot And when we first launched the business, it was based around purely what we called an exchange model. So, you know, somebody would live in your house, help out two hours a day in exchange for food and accommodation. That was great, but it was also quite niche. And a few people were asking about, well, what if we could have part rent, part help? And so we used the time to really look at how we could pivot the model, but then also what would life be like? What's the property market, the housing market, the rental market going to be like post-COVID? And I've always considered myself a futurist. I can sort of see things ahead of time and I thought there's going to be a problem in the rental market. There's just not going to be enough stock. What if we brought rent into it? There's going to be some financial burdens that we're all going to be hit with because all of this money that we got given is going to have to come from somewhere. And I think yeah. there might end up being a duality there in terms of need. And so we made a decision to do rent and rent offset instead of exchanging. The language was... When did like, you, you know, start like,
0: that? When did you start the renting?
1: 14, 14 months ago. So, Gosh, yeah, I know, and the I, and timing I'm, I'm of that. Gotta tell you, Michelle, we have just hit over six thousand on our database in fourteen months, and we got to three thousand just before COVID. So this has been—it yeah. was a gift for us in disguise, very costly one, but it was a gift. And hmm. we also realized that we always had mandatory verification, but we never led with that. And so we now state this is this our three things, and then I'll, I'll pause there for you. We are Australia's first and only verified house sharing platform. We partner with Digital ID, Australia, um, Australian Post uh, verification technology when we first launched, so we leave with that. Nobody else has it as a mandatory requirement. So everyone is safe, everyone is who they say they are, and people who have got yep. the intention will not complete our process because they don't want to be identified in that way. Our algorithm matches you based on personality, values and lifestyle, so you feel like you're coming home to a friend. And we want our homeowners, who are our main supply, to feel like, that they're adding some value to their life and to their home, not losing something. And the third thing is that you can choose rent or rent offset or a mix of both. So it's completely up to you which model that you want to utilise. So if you need help around the house, you can offset part of all of your rent by requesting help around the house and that can be negotiated on a week-by-week basis. And considering there's over 13 million unused bedrooms in around 10 million homes across Australia, that's a big Mm. lot of supply. And a lot of those homeowners are struggling now with multiple interest rate hikes. And the reflection of that is that this is the first time in six years we're getting as many homeowners signing up as we are people looking for a room to rent.
0: That's mind-blowing that Mm -hmm. a no one has thought of this before because it makes such sense. It makes such sense to me. You're helping both sides of the equation. People need extra income. People need somewhere to live. Let's put those two together. It's, it's so simple yet, you know, I think it's, it's an amazing thing that, I, I mean, I can only see that grow more and more. I mean, because there's so many different aspects to this that will help, you know. One of the things that I see as a buyer's agent, for example, is that we don't get enough of the empty nesters downsizing because there's not the properties there, right? So the young families can't move up into the 3 plus bedroom uh, houses because the, the the boomer generation don't have the smaller properties so they're still living in these massive properties and quite often you know they're also getting to a point where it may be quite lonely for them you know so there they, there is adding that they're having companionship in their life even Even if that other person is out working every day, there's still that in the evening, in the morning, that connection with another person, and they're generating an income, potentially, you know, having a bit of extra income over and above whatever they've, you know, saved and have a pension for. And the the younger person will have somewhere good to live, which, which... I mean, in a, in a first world country like Australia, it is a, is quite amazing how abysmal the rental accommodation is uh, that I've seen firsthand. I, I had to rent for a while and, you know, with my two children and I was going through houses where I was just shocked, like you wouldn't even put an animal in them and they were charging $900 a week, you know, whereas if you're tying them up with a, a, a current homeowner, you know they're going to have a pleasant accommodation, and you're you're working. You know you're helping both sides of the equation, so it, it it makes total sense to me. My question is: so you've obviously you you've you've done the amazing pivot. Both sides of the equation have access to this platform. Uh, did you say an algorithm matches them, or do or do you get to, I mean, you know, everyone's swiping left and right nowadays. If you're in the dating <laughs> world, you know, is it a bit like? Dating, is it a bit like Tinder for, for property oh, finding? That's so funny.
1: I did an interview on radio in Canberra on Saturday morning and they were saying it's like Tinder for house sharing. Yeah, so right. I, I, think, I know. I think this is just <laughs> going to end up being my new tagline. Um, yeah, look, we, we have search criteria and, of course, once, you know, the more and more information's inputted, there's going to be more that will be able to be um, reduced down in terms of the search results. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can select age range, gender, personality types, like there's food type, you know, there's a number of different things that you can search for. Yeah, yeah. But there's, there's one point I just wanted to just pick up on that you mentioned before because I think there's an assumption around this that, and we can get back onto this this point Um, You mentioned, you know, young people and empty nesses and they they are two demographics that we uh, do attract. But interestingly, our housemates, so we call them households and housemates, but we'll say homeowners and renters just for the sake of conversation. Our renters range from 25 up to 70. Yeah. So when most people think that house sharing is kind of like the flatmates type conversation, right? And when, I don't know about you, but when I, I'm 57, when I think of myself as a young flatmate, I do not want to live with someone like me, <laughs> like who I was. <laughs> That's not happening. <laughs> um, uh, you know, but people that register on our platform for somewhere to rent understand that they're stepping into somebody's home
0: mm. with their
1: things. The bedrooms are usually furnished. Most of the time they'll have a bathroom or an ensuite for themselves or the most share it with one other person. They're tapping into somebody else's network, resources, community. There is a lot that's being provided um, for that person just by default. It attracts a certain type of person because the person is going to move into somebody else's space and know that it's not going to be their own. Yeah. there's a level of respect that's required for that mm, and at absolutely. the same yeah and at the same token our homeowners are anyone from single person um who maybe wants to buy a house and just needs some additional funds to help with the mortgage to professional mm. couple to young families to we get a lot of elderly people who sign up whether they're single and they're husband or wife has passed away and they're lonely there's a whole range of people women over 50 are are a big part of our uh, rental market at the moment and also our homeowners market so there's a massive range which gives you the opportunity to think about what kind of person would you like to live with and we're not attracting backpackers or people that are just sort of looking for a room and then they don't need to talk to anyone else this is really about creating micro communities in our yeah. homes and it's really important that people understand that this isn't about, okay, you've got a there's your room, you can use the kitchen at six from six till seven and that's it, we don't want to see in. It's not that. We're actually mm. sharing our homes and sharing our lives together to the degree that that happens is up to every household. Um, in our home, for example, you know, we have some meals where we, we share together and then, some you know, days where we just take care of ourselves. Um, yeah. We go to our own spaces to watch TV um, but sometimes we'll sit out on the deck and have a chat. One of our housemates likes to do afternoon tea on a Saturday and make a cake or, you know, everybody's different. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But you negotiate that as you go through. But it's very important, I think, for, for your listeners to understand that this really is about adding value to your life, not losing it if you're choosing to open up your home to share. Yeah. So, and I forgot your original question, so I'm sorry.
0: <laughs> no, 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 I, I think it's, it's good that we're, you know, I think it's good that you you pointed out that there's all these different fa- parts of society that, you know, are benefiting either, whether they're homeowners or, or renters. We spoke about this in a previous conversation where, you know, because we've been chatting for a while about how you set this up, because obviously you're inviting someone into your home, just from a legal standpoint, what kind of paperwork, what, what, what kind of, you know, documentation can people expect from either sides of the equation? And secondly, If you are a homeowner, you know, can you actually make this work towards your mortgage? And yes, if yes, how does it work? If not, why not? Mm.
1: So we've, you know, I'm a homeowner as well, and the 12 interest rate hikes are costing me, you know, another $1,000 a month or something Mm. to come up with, and a spare bedroom's worth that. Mm. So there's your problem solved right there, you know, in terms of contributing to the additional costs the how to make it work and what's required so it's up to each individual arrangement to decide the best uh, setup for them we're a marketplace so we provide the opportunity for people to actually create those connections it's up to them what they how they make that work afterwards what we would recommend and this is based on my experience everyone again has to make up their own mind we have a house share agreement that over the years I've created a template for. And once the homeowners have actually found someone that they want to live with, if they notify us of that, then we will actually, we provide versions of that, whether it's a light version of it that they can utilize themselves, whether it's a full version that comes with a video of instructions and how to actually facilitate that, or whether they want to hire one of our client managers and do a three-way video call, and we can help them to facilitate that together. And then they yeah. co-sign that. It's what we call would call a civil agreement It's not a tenancy. You know, the beauty of this for um, renters is that, you know, they can go in on a month-by-month basis. If something comes up that they want to then move on to, they can. They've got the flexibility of that. And also with the homeowners as well, it's like we say month-by-month because initially when somebody does this for the first time, it just gives them a bit of peace of mind to know that if they commit for a month and they're committing to that up front and if it doesn't work out, they can end that Then make that clear with their um, housemate, then everyone's on the same page. But what generally happens is that the first month is kind of like the settling in time and if you Mm -hmm. have some empathy, patience and understanding, you can, and if you have some good, utilise some of our tools that we've got in place, it can really help to set up the, you know, the boundaries, expectations, house rules, um, you know, what to do with food and when the rent's supposed to be paid and all those kinds of things. And then also too, you know, we encourage people to talk about their exit plan. And we also encourage people to talk about things that may not be happening now, but could happen in the future. So what if you meet a special lady and you would like her to come over every now and again? You know, can you imagine bringing that conversation up a couple of months down the road, but you've never brought it up at the beginning? It might feel a bit uncomfortable for the guy or girl, whoever, right? So, Mm. you know, we encourage people to have those conversations up front. So I always say to my new housemates, look, you know, I, I understand you're not seeing anyone now, but. Should the time come and you want to yeah. have your friend over, what we would like you to do is invite them over for dinner. Let's all sit down, break bread together, have a chat, have a laugh, and then everyone gets a feel for each other. And then, you know, if we're all happy and we feel comfortable, then once every two weeks is fine if they want to sleep over and then you can go and sleep over at their house once every two weeks. You know, th- there are yeah. our rules around that. And I've not had any conflict with that, you know. So yeah. and it's kind of like, you know, please don't wear shoes in the carpet. It's just a house rule. Yeah. You know, we absolutely no smokers in our house because I can't stand the smell. I don't mind if you have a drink, but I don't drink, so I don't want any, you know, drunken behaviour in my my house. So it's just, it's very simple. What are your house rules? And often you don't think about that when you're a homeowner because you just have this organic way that you all live together and you have an understanding in your own home, right? Yeah. And the other thing is, is that homeowners don't buy a house with the intention of being a renter or renting it or sharing it. So yeah. they don't understand the processes of that. So we have those resources in place and lots of information on the website to help them. And again, they can do it themselves utilizing that information or they can hire us to help them through it.
0: Yeah. It's always best to have those uncomfortable situations or those conversations up front, right? I <laughs> yeah. mean, I work for example, different aspect I work with first home buyers and, you know, sometimes the bank of mum and dad is involved. And I, you know, I say to them, do you actually know the strings attached to this situation? (laughs) You know, what are they expecting back from you? You know, because they might just, is it it a gift? Is it a loan? If you sell the property, do they want the interest on the loan? Do they want a share of the profit? You know, same ideas. And I think people tend to shy away from... Difficult conversations, but especially if you are moving into someone else's yeah. home. that's dead, a really great point, Michelle, mm. that you bring up because there's some people
1: homeowners that we speak to. Oh, look, it'll work itself out. And I say, yeah, please yeah. do not have that cavalier um, approach to it because you are going to end up with some problems because yeah. it, there's you just don't ever want to make assumptions about yeah. anything and. You know, like we've we've all been house sharing from the moment we're born, right? It's not a new concept to any of us. It's just yeah. we've done it with people that we've come to know. We didn't know our parents until we were born. We, you know, we, we got to know our kids. We've had family come and stay. We've had, you know, friends maybe stay for a while. You know, we've mm. all done it. It's just there's when it's a couple of weeks, you kind of put up with people's stuff, you know, but ongoing it will become an issue. So it's just much better and and it's much easier to have those conversations when it's not awkward. It's only awkward when you get to know them. When you don't know them, it's much easier to bring it up, I find
0: anyway. Um,
1: and, And it's just all documented. Everyone signs it and, you know, it's
0: there. Yeah. Yeah, you know? absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I've I've learned, you know, there's nothing as queer as folk, and people never cease to amaze me. I mean, I'm in the people industry, you know. Even though yeah. a lot of my job has nothing to do with property, it's about people. And uh, yeah, I, you just you can never fail to be surprised. So that <laughs> I think, do yeah. you actually bring, give them a list of yeah. these are the top ten awkward questions? Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, we've we got did. a yeah, we've got a PDF of interview
1: questions to ask. Yeah.
0: Oh, perfect. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so in terms of just practicality, do you, do people sign? up for a period of time with you? Do they pay like a success fee? Or how does it, you know, how does it work from your end? Because obviously, you know, this is a this is a business from your from mm. your perspective. Obviously, it's a fantastic concept, mm-hmm. but um, how do people actually, you know, pay for this service?
1: Yeah. So while we rebuilt post COVID, we've um, allowed people to use the platform for free, and we're we're looking at various different ways now to monetize that from a listing perspective. But our mm. what we're starting to realize is that. The making it as easy as possible for people to actually get to that point of connection and then providing them with the resources they need with our premium services is something yeah. that we're testing at the moment. so that's working well. But the, another interesting thing though is oh, and we've also got partnerships with very different organizations We've um, we haven't announced one, one yet, so I can't say it, but you know there's a, there's a couple of them that will have some financial, you know, referral sort of benefits for us too. So there's a number of different ways that we can kind of utilise that. But also, surprisingly, we are getting approached by a number of different councils, government, businesses in the private sector, hospitality sector, uh, even housing, big development, housing development companies. Can you help us with our accommodation problem for our staff, for our workers, for our peak seasons coming up? Regional areas, you know, um, a lot of regional areas are saying, having to say no to particular events and festivals and things like that because they have an accommodation problem for people coming into town when they're on. It's a lost opportunity cost there, you know, and we have the technology and means to be able to help them solve that. So there is a bigger conversation that's happening around or behind the scenes, I guess, in terms of what the room exchange can do because, all of these, are in. first and foremost, we do not remove housing from the rental market. That's a core value and rule that mm. we have. We are not going to be ever be part of the problem. So, you know, if there is an opportunity where we can support a regional town by helping, you know, homeowners open up their space for a while to provide accommodation for someone to come into town to attend that event... That is a positive outcome. You know, mm. and we're getting local communities and involved in actually helping to, you know, improve the local economic growth um, and to accept opportunities that otherwise might not be. And, you know, the, the, I can't actually talk a lot about other things that are popping up, but here's one that, you know, the government should right now be coming and knocking on our door and saying, hey, how can we use your technology to help solve this problem? Because I tell you, mm. with over 13 million unused bedrooms, let's just say we got 2% of them. That's a massive amount of rooms available for rent that can help then remove people from the rental market, making more of the actual rental properties available for couples and families. And this will put a, a massive dent in the problem right now. And one of the things, and I haven't said this before, so I'm going to say it on your podcast, and I hope our listeners will take this with the right intention the government cannot solve this problem, even with this $10 billion budget that they've got the 1.2 million homes that Mm. they plan on building in five years which really is that can happen with the current Mm. state of the building industry with the cost of bills with you know like I don't need to rant oh that's a whole whole conversation conversation. yeah yeah what about the problem right now what are they doing right now the only if Mm. we don't start and we I'm talking about you and me and whoever's listening that's you if you Mm. have a spare bedroom and you have the heart and the means to be able to open up that spare bedroom and share it with someone, you are not only enhancing your life and helping to solve financial burdens in your own home, but you are also becoming part of the solution to this housing crisis. And I believe, and I say this because I live I live this myself, that I know that if we don't do this as individuals in this country, we are going to see a very different Australia in 12 months time, because most middle-class households are only two paychecks away from losing it mm. you know we talk about homelessness we are not a solution for homelessness we can certainly prevent it um but right at the point when people are actually looking for if they lose their home they don't a lot of people don't have options now to go mm. and find a rental and if they don't have options to find a rental what's the next option their car in a car park a dfo or somewhere like that and
0: look i live in the inner west of sydney and in my local park edmore park they're tents. Kent. yeah out yes you know uh, yeah. and it's it's not just the single male it's women with, women children. with children and and i and, uh, and there's a huge segment of the new the new homeless are actually the invisible homeless you know they're 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 couch hopping from friend to friend you know that's not that's no way to live uh the biggest section of people becoming unemployed or uh, homeless now are women my age and over 50 with yeah. dependents mm. i'm in that bracket mm. you know and it's it's absolutely frightening that this is happening so i know and what other obstacles do you see with i mean with the with the current rental crisis like what 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 do you think what else is contributing to this the fact that, that all of it not so, Everyone says all of a sudden, but obviously it's been building and building and building and building and now everybody's talking about it and now we need a solution now. But mm. what do you think, besides the room exchange and you know, contributing to providing pe- people with rooms to live, what else would you, would you say would contribute to easing this stress? Oh, jeepers. So
1: um, I am a self-managed landlord, so we have an investment property which was our family home. And yeah. rent where we live. Okay. So I experienced the rent, the housing market from all facets. Yeah. And this is a really interesting point. And at the age of, well, when we moved into this place, I was 50, I'm 57 now, I was 54. So at the age of 54 with two very healthy incomes, a seven year, 100% rental history, you know, spot on. Yes, you want to rent your house to this couple. to owning a property in Newport, Melbourne, that is positively geared to uh, my online profile, my business reputation. Like you think about all the things that you, you know, I mean, you probably only require maybe a quarter of that and you'd be pretty comfortable with renting. But with all of that, I could still only get a one-year lease.
0: Yeah, right. And I said
1: to the agent, and we've been in now three years and I negotiated a two-year lease after the first year. I said, oh, can we get a three-year lease? And she said, oh, no, no, we are got to do a one-year first. And I said, well, Why? We, what else would you need? Would I Do I need to own another house? Like what else do you actually need for yeah. me to be able to confidently put roots in the ground, literally build a garden, yeah. get to know the neighbours, hang my paintings, hang my family photos? What do I need to do to have housing security at this stage? So from a rental perspective, I would never imagine that this could happen where somebody of my standing, I guess is probably the word would still have to jump through hoops to negotiate a longer lease. Now, our lease is coming up in um, early next year. And even though I'm pretty confident we'll get another two-year lease, but I still have this insecure feeling of what might happen. And so imagine if you weren't someone of my, you know, standing or if didn't have all the additional benefits or privilege that I have and... You were, say, a single mum with a, a child and you had to go and find somewhere to rent. So you've got no hope, absolutely no hope. Yeah. And and I don't blame the, the. I want to be really mindful of not blaming the, um, the property managers because they're in a predicament, their first priority is to the owner of the property. But there goes another problem. How is it that 75% of the investment properties in this country are owned by mum and dad investors who, by the way, are not professional service providers? Mm. Now we look at, when my the tenants in our place, for example, they spend $26,000 a year with us. I look at this as a business arrangement. They're a customer that spends $26,000 a year. I'm going to make sure they're happy. Yeah. You know, I want, you know, if it was any other business and the a customer was spending that much money with you each year, you bend over backwards for them. You would be making sure yeah. that they're happy, that they've got everything that they need. They would appreciate that. They would, you know, majority of the people in the world, I believe, are good people, and they will look after your place if you treat them with dignity and respect, even more so. And mm. I, I just don't think that we look at this relationship, the landlord-tenant relationship, in the way that we should be looking at it. Because if mm. we did, and if the landlord and the uh, the homeowner and the renter were having more conversations together. I know that they go through a, an agent, but why can't they also speak? Because a lot of the times I think of this friction that occurs is because there's misunderstanding or there are decisions that are being made that are not in the best interest of either party that so then creates problems. And mm. I know this has happened happens because it happened to us when we had to use an agent to rent our property through COVID. And it was just like mm. this guy was going through some health issues, he had to go away for a while, he had to cut his, his leash short, I just connected the dots in my head and I went, okay, we need to make this as easy as possible for this guy. The agent wanted to make sure that they paid out the lease and I went, no, I want to have a conversation with him. No, 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 you don't want to do that because he'll try and get as much out of you as he can. And I said, no, I think this conversation requires empathy and I just want to find out exactly what this guy needs and then I want to work with him to help make it easy for both of us. It turned out I ended up taking over the renewal of the negotiation of all this. We were only out of rent for one week. That was it. The entire house got spotlessly cleaned. His sister came in, got involved. We had the right, we had a 20-minute conversation, done. It was all done, you know? Isn't
0: that interesting because really we're going essentially back to what we were talking of before, which is the uncomfortable conversations and and bringing back humanity in the whole equation, right? Yes, yes. Because you, by you going, no, 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 I, I'm going to talk to him as a human being and t- forget about what you think is going to happen. It, sometimes we get put the fear of God in us, you know, because of what, what is this person trying to get out of me? The worst of things, but I'm, I'm like you. I'm a believer that essentially most people are good and trying to do the right thing. So that's I, yeah, I, I, what you're saying resonates with me tremendously because it is about essentially. The, the human needs to come first and yeah. then yeah. how do we work this out where it is of course it is a financial uh transaction and it needs to work for both sides of the equation but and then security is a huge thing you know yeah. not having a, you know because what I'm hearing in the great fund as well like you know I'm, I'm working with a lot of property managers you know with with Uh, you know, clients who buy an investment property and then we're working with a property manager um, and, you know, passing on the client, so to speak, you know, they're saying, well, what we're coming across is that, you know, when we get these tenancies previously managed by other property managers is that these tenants are actually so scared to say anything, mm. you know, say the, the air conditioner has broken or, you know, the kitchen's falling apart or there's, you know, water coming through. I don't know. Whatever the case may be, it can be little or large. They're afraid to speak up because they're afraid of getting turfed out. You know, and so in oh, fact, yeah. Yeah. they're afraid of getting turfed out. But also the landlord, the, the property is dilapidating. It's getting worse. A small problem may become a huge problem because it doesn't rec- get rectified. So eventually everyone's a loser.
1: Exactly. And, and I just want to add in there that I think that, you know, the relationship with the property manager is very important, but there's a lot of undue pressure on them at the moment with a multiple amount of applications on properties mm. as well. And I cannot imagine how difficult. I, I just want to be very careful to, you know, make sure that I'm, I'm not, you know here to be you know dogging on them because I cannot imagine no. how tough their job is, but I think that yeah. they're very important in the equation there. And I'm not saying they're not, but I think from a legal and from the documental, you know, document sort of perspective, and you know, maybe negotiating any issues. But then, in terms mm. of looking back at the 75% of investment properties being mum and dad investors, you know, I think there needs to be a requirement for them to have at least five thousand dollars put aside that they can put towards any thing that needs to get fixed on the house, I think that should be a requirement. Mm. And, but then, you know, if there's if, they, if they're able to have a conversation or communicate directly with each other, with the property manager, they're maybe mediating some of that. A lot of the conversations I think could get resolved, a lot of the issues will get resolved much faster because everybody wants to win. And if you can mm. give the other person as much as what they want and they can give you as much as what you want, negotiation mm. can then transpire in that. And that's what mm. I, you know, that's what I think. And I, and, and I think that there's been a big mistake with the majority of the rental housing falling on people who are not professional service providers, mm. there is a there's, that is something that you know I think needs to be talked about.
0: Maybe maybe part of the solution could be that these you know investors, first time or you know secondary whatever investors have to do a course, some kind of certification, you know, like just to to know the rules around what their obligations are, what is the best way to manage a tenant, you know, proper even you know looking after a property properly expectations. You know,
1: what, what,
0: yeah and yes, got, I like I like your idea, but then
1: we've got the problem of we've got more and more people leaving the you know property investment space, so there's less rental. So there's a whole mm. there's a whole cycle of issues here, and they are yeah, great things, true. and I think discussing them is really good. Um, mm. but they need, you know, there, there has to be, look, if you look at, and I'm not going to name it specifically, but if you look at short-term holiday platforms where there's ratings and reviews involved, right? The person who owns that property that is renting it out for a short-term holiday has expectations and requirements to make sure that property is in great standing, not good standing, actually excellent mm. standing, right? Now mm. it's like, well, how is that not parlayed then over to somebody who's providing long-term housing? I think there's something in that that we can explore a little bit more. Mm -hmm. I mean, the government, you know, reneging on their responsibilities many years ago to build, to continue building and providing social housing and low-cost housing has created a massive problem. I think the, you know, the the building of oversized housings in the greenfields, you know, expecting that the next generation is going to have as many kids as what we did is a massive mistake. I mean, what are we going to do with all these McMansions because my kids' generation are not going to buy them? you know there mm. there's, there's a lot of issues across it and i think it's just when the when the home became the bank when the the you know what i'm saying when the when yeah. your house becomes a bank there's a very different um experience of that and then when that bank then becomes a service to somebody else who needs housing security yeah that's a very different conversation i think we need to be digging more into that
0: yeah i oh, look it's it's not a conversation that's going to you know come up with a solution overnight, that's for sure. Like you said, there's so many different levers that need to be pulled, you know, and it's its very easy for the political parties to just go on one particular agenda and go, this is the solution to it all, but it, it it's not, it's clearly not. But I'm so pleased that, you're here today to talk us through the room exchange and what it can actually do to be part of the solution. If people are interested in becoming either a renter or a, a homeowner with a spare room that they want to share with someone, how are they best to get in touch with you? So just go to the room
1: exchange, and that's X C H A N G E, the room com. Just click any of the orange get started buttons. It'll take you through in the footers, the FAQs, there's a blog, there's lots of articles. We've also mm-hmm. got the Room Exchange podcast and we've got lots of helpful conversations there. Please connect directly with me on LinkedIn if you want to have a conversation from a, um, you know, if you're a leader of a community or a business that needs a housing or accommodation solution, just connect with me on LinkedIn. That um, It's probably the easiest. And all of our socials are at the Room Exchange so um yeah head over to there that would be great
0: well thanks Ludwina. you are certainly a powerhouse and i <laughs> admire very much what you do thanks for taking the time to talk with me and if you have any questions if you've been listening to Ludwina and i and you have any questions for either lithwina or myself you can also get in touch with us through um hello at buyyourside.com.au um hit me up on tiktok instagram and linkedin of course as well um, thank you for listening until next time